Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. We're going to read a couple of scriptures. I want to reintroduce you today to a long lost friend for some of you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is a friend who is still there, but many of you might have lost contact with the Holy Spirit. You might think that's a weird thing to say, but as I get into this word, maybe it will make sense. It's, he's almost like a friend on Facebook. He's around about your world. You've had encounters and you've had conversations, but sometimes it feels a little bit like the long lost friend. Today, I want to reunite you with the Holy Spirit. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 3, from verses 16 to 17. It's going to come on the screen, Matthew 3, 16 to 17. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heavens were opened. This is probably one of the most glorious moments in the Bible, in fact, in history. At that moment, the heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and delighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. And then Matthew 28 verses 19, a famous verse that many of us are aware. Jesus in his great commission to us, the church, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I baptize my two-year-old son most weeks um, just for the fun of it. He likes it. I grab his two arms and I say, Sonny, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <sighs> I don't baptize him in water. I just do it in midair, and he loves it. But last week, somewhat, one of our friends baptized our six-year-old son, Jay, accidentally in a pond. And uh, there was fish in there, and he fell in. It wasn't a real baptism. It was like we just like to move it on. Um, the Holy Spirit. I want to speak in three, pers- three things about the Holy Spirit. I want to really help you, introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Okay, there are three aims from the talk. The person, the filling, and the outworking of the Holy Spirit. If you ever walk late at night down a street, how many of you sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable if you are on your own? Especially if you're in an area where you don't feel the safest and there's not much lighting and there's not many people around and it's quite dark and it's not an area that you're familiar with, you can sometimes feel a little bit apprehensive walking down a street because you're unaware as who is lurking in the shadows and you hear crazy stories on the news regularly about all sorts of weird things. And so quite rightly, there is often an apprehension when you walk down dark Streets And sometimes your response can be, God, are you watching? Um, Jesus, are you even interested in this moment as you personally, individually walk down a street? And what I want to help you understand today is that you are not alone. This is an illustration. You're not alone practically as you walk down that street. And the reason you are not alone as you walk down that street is because the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is with you. Therefore, wherever you go, be it a dark street or be it a lit street, it doesn't matter why, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we sometimes have no problem relating with God and 
Jesus. We sing a lot about God and we sing a lot about Jesus. We, we give them probably a lot more airtime than we do the Holy Spirit. And so when we pray, we would normally pray to God the Father or when we worship Jesus, we worship you and we would speak a lot about that and we relate to them often in an easier way. God is known as the Father, the Creator, the Provider, the Strength. He fights for us. He stands for us. He is proud of us. Why? Because the Father loves us. Jesus is our Savior. He is our friend who sacrificed his life for us, who paid our debt. And we understand his life. It is written, documented in the Bible through the Gospels. We see how he spoke and we see how he related and we see how he was compassionate and how he was wise. We see his emotions. We see him cry and we see him sweat and we see him, we see him anguished and, and we see the difficulties. We see the highs and lows. And so there is a relatability that we have with the Father and that we have with the Son. We love Jesus. Jesus is the, like we sang, the the miracle maker. He turns situations around. You know, we love Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is often somebody that we have misunderstood. The Holy Spirit is someone that we could sometimes define as someone we don't fully know. It's like somebody with three kids, or maybe four, um, somebody with three kids and the first kid you know you relate to them you know them pretty well and and the second one as well the same and you know how the but the third one is like who is this child (laughs) very different in their personality different in their looks and where the first two have been you know all about this the third one is so different and you're like is this ours (laughs) because their personality and their character is so different from the other children sometimes that is our perception of the holy spirit Maybe it's because we see a physicality in Jesus and in God the Father, but we understand sometimes the Spirit, and sometimes maybe it's be called the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we misunderstand the Spirit as some weird, spooky, Casper the Ghost kind of character who kind of floats in and kind of floats out. Almost like this spirit of wind that we do read about in the book of Acts. But sometimes that is our narrow perception that the Holy Spirit and then blows in and blows out. And so, sure, the Father, we, we spend time with the Father and we're un- honest and we're vulnerable with the Father. And with Jesus, we're so thankful and we love you. And, but with the Holy Spirit, it's almost like, okay, but I can't relate to you and I don't necessarily connect with you in the same kind of way. <laughs> I'm an old school Pentecostal kid. Is there anyone else like that? A few of you. I was brought up in a Pentecostal movement that was very heavily focused on the works of the Holy Spirit. It is why it was called a Pentecostal church. Why? Because the Pentecostal church is really based on what happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, where the Holy Spirit comes like tongues of fire and rests on their head and people speak in tongues. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. And so I was brought up in a Pentecostal church where nearly every service, somebody would stand up in the auditorium, would stand to their feet, and they would publicly speak in tongues. <coughs> and then often you would wait for what was called an interpretation of that tongue. Now, normally there was three because the Bible says any more than three. Nobody got time for that. Okay. <laughs> and so Paul says, for your services to be orderly, let's keep it at three. That's plenty. And in our, my background, often it was three, and often it was the same three. And if I'm honest, I sometimes got a little bit disillusioned. 
Because I didn't fully understand why the same guy would say the same thing every week. And I'd be a little bit tired because the service would drag on as we're hearing someone go, and we had all sorts of things. And I'm not being disrespectful to that because I'm going to come to the speaking of tongues in a minute because I speak in tongues and Paul spoke in the tongues more than any of us. Okay, so I'm not being disrespectful to that. But I was very much brought up in a Pentecostal kind of church. Some of you weren't. Some of you were probably brought up either in no church at all, and hey, and welcome here. And some of you were probably brought up in a little bit more of a conservative church where you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, but there may not have been the, the expression of the Holy Spirit quite like the Pentecostal movement. But sometimes what we would do at church, they would announce it sometimes as a Holy Spirit service. So we'd have normal services, but then we'd have a Holy Spirit service. Almost like it was marketed that, hey, guess what? On the Holy Spirit service, we have a guest. It's not Bill Johnson, it's the Holy Spirit. He's coming, guys, Sunday night, six o'clock. It was always night. No one did a Holy Spirit service in the morning. It was always at night. And it was, it was I, I used to get a little bit confused thinking, well, is the, is the 11 a.m. service in the morning not a Holy Spirit service? And it'd be like, no, 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 the Holy Spirit service is, a, is at night. You know, let's bring him in. And then let's get him out. And once a month we would have that. And the Holy Spirit services when I was there, I used to, I tell you what, I did enjoy the Holy Spirit services. They were sometimes a little bit more fun. Because, like, people who were quite reserved that the Holy Spirit would bring their flags and they'd be wowing and running around the auditorium. And it's almost like because it was a Holy Spirit service, there was no set list. There was no order. Why? We don't want to control the Holy Spirit. He needs to be able to do what he needs to do. So let's not decide on an order of service. Let's just give the Holy Spirit room. I'm relating with some of your language here. You know what I'm on about. And sometimes in the Holy Spirit services, people would come to the front, they'd be praying for them, boom, they'd be slain in the Spirit, but only like once a month. The other Sundays, they were back in their seat and everything was fine, but the Holy Spirit service, boom, shaking, but then the Holy, other services like just, hey, I'm fine, normal. It was almost like you'd walk, step into the Holy Spirit service, become something different, step out of the Holy Spirit service and become something like who you, your, your normal self. Holy Spirit self, normal self. And if I'm honest, I got a little bit confused because I'm like, I'm not sure this is who the Holy Spirit is. How can everything change so suddenly? It was almost like an illustration. Imagine, um, you know, it's like having a party in your house and, you know, you're drinking wine and eating cheese and, you know, everything's very ordered you know, it's like 35-year-olds kind of party. And then there'd be a knock at the door at like 11.30 at night, and it's an 18-year-old who comes in with glow sticks. You know, put the music on. <laughs> Almost like this raver that would come to the, join the party. And we, the Holy Spirit almost be that 18-year-old raver that would disturb the norm and would sort of jazz everyone up and bring a bit of light and bring a bit of colour that was almost how our view or perception of the Holy Spirit was. It's almost like we have a separate Holy Spirit experience to our normal lives. But those two passages that I just read are quite clear. And the reason I chose those two passages, the first one that we read in the book of Matthew 3, where Jesus is being baptized, the reason I love that, it is a glorious picture. Why? Because Jesus is being baptized, and so Jesus is in the water, 
God the Father is in heaven opening up the heavens and the Holy Spirit comes and rests on Jesus as a dove. It is one of the few pictures in the Bible where we see the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Spirit in one picture. It is, why it is such a glorious picture to see the unity of the Father, the Son and the Spirit. In the last command that we read from Jesus, he says that you'd go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of God the Father and the Jesus the Son. No, he says, and the Holy Spirit. There is something in Jesus, he's trying to help us understand. You need to know there is no second importance, second level of importance when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit has his role to play in your life just as much as the other two roles of God the Father and of God the Son. Now, I'm talking about them like they are three separate persons, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, because they are three separate persons. But I'm also talking about them as they are one person. Why? Because they are also one person. And some of you are sat here going, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And the reason you would be true, because it doesn't make sense to our human comprehension. But you are not God, and his ways are not your ways, and his thoughts are not your thoughts. And so God expresses himself. The expression of God is found in his fatherhood nature, in his sacrificial son nature, and his spirit nature. He expresses himself not just as a father and not just as a son, but also as a spirit. This is what is called the true, the trinity. And it doesn't make sense to our human distinct individuals. We're limited to that. But that is why Jesus the son can be different from the father and they can be yet the same like father, like son, but yet different, but yet the same. But yet the Bible clearly speaks of God the Son and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, but only ever emphasizes one God. So it's not like we have three different gods. No, we have one God who is the Father, who is the Son, and who is the Holy Spirit. Let's put some maths on it. It is not one add one add one, which equals three. It is one times one times one, which equals one. Trinity, tri, simply means three. In unity, one. And so the Trinity is simply the tri-unity. It is three in one. It is the unification. It is the coming together. It is the bond of that three. It is the, it is the way of God expressing the same deity, because the same deity lives within them, but it forms itself and expresses itself in different ways through the Father, through the Son, and through the Spirit. And so the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they don't differ in their ways of doing. They don't, they don't have different opinions about certain things. They don't have different theological views. God won't, the Father won't tell you to do something and the Holy Spirit won't tell you to do the opposite. They will never be in contradiction with each other. Why? Because they are tri-unity. There is a unity amongst them. So if it comes from the Father, it's also come from the Son. And if it's come from the Son, it has also come from the Spirit. They all have different functions within the same deity and within the same nature. But that word is important. They have different functions. 
And many of you are aware in your working life that there are different staff working within one organization, but you have different functions. But you are united in your purpose and you are united in your goal. And so God the Son is fully, completely God. God the Father is God, is fully, completely God. And God the Holy Spirit is fully, completely God. This is making sense. So at the beginning of time, what do we find in Genesis 1 verse 26? In Genesis 1 verse 26, God, as he is creating the earth, he says, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. He says, the Son, the Spirit, the Father come together as God. Let us make mankind. Let's do this together in our image image. It is plural. And the reason I'm preaching this today is because I want there to be some application from this. The reason I'm preaching this is because I sometimes think we can often live in a two-thirds experience of our faith. And we fail to recognize and experience and talk and communicate and commune with the full three out of three. (laughs) It's almost like a house which has three rooms and you only ever take guests into the two rooms. But yet there's a beautiful third room that nobody ever sees. And I pray that we would be a church that takes the church family into all three rooms. That we don't only ever take you into the Father, but we also take you into the Son's room and we take you into the Spirit's room. Why? Because it dwells within one house. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is awesome. And the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible talks about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit meditates on our behalf. The Holy Spirit does things. The Holy Spirit, there is the personification of the Holy Spirit. And what I've realized, the Holy Spirit, why it's important and why I wanted to speak on it today, not only because you asked for it, but I think it's important, is because the Holy Spirit stretches our spiritual experience often beyond the normal and the comfortable. And it takes us sometimes into the unusual and the extraordinary. There's no doubt in the New Testament that it is the, it is, it is the workings of the Holy Spirit and it is the expression and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that take you into the speaking of tongues, that take you into a prophetic gift, that take you into levels of discernment that you might not enter into without an understanding and a connectivity with the unusual and the extraordinary Holy Spirit. And so when you accept Jesus into your heart, We believe that Jesus lives in you, not as a human being. He lives in you as the Holy Spirit. And so when you encounter Jesus, and when you invite him into your heart, at the end of this service, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. And sometimes it's as simple as raising your hand in the air. Sometimes it doesn't involve raising your hand in the air. The Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. And so in that moment, I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is just holding back, going, well, I'll wait till the Holy Spirit service at the Leeds at six. And if they want me then, then I'm available, but I'll wait. No, as you acknowledge Jesus and as you invite him into your heart, I believe the Bible is clear. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you in that moment. 
Therefore, you are never alone. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the external God who is manifesting himself through the Holy Spirit as the internal God. And so there is an external God, the, you know, the, the creator of the heavens and the universe who seems so lofty, who seems so far away, who can sometimes seem so disattached from our 24-7 world. But yet Jesus comes and makes a way so that we can be restored into relationship with the Father. Jesus ascends into heaven, but he says, I'm going to leave you someone. I'm going to leave you a person. And the person I'm going to leave you, it is the presence of God. It is the manifestation of God that will be the internal God within. Let me prove it to you that the Holy Spirit within. 2 Timothy 1 verse 14. I'll just flick through these really quickly. Guard the God deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who what? lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit, what? Dwells in your midst. Romans 8 verse 11 um, says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit today is not some service that you go to. The Holy Spirit is a person who dwells within you. And as the time of Jesus' departure draws near, he comforts his disciples. In John chapter 14, verses 15 to 20, look what it says here, John 14, 15 to 20. Jesus speaking, he says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And so Jesus is helping us understand here that the Holy Spirit is going to come. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus bringing some beautiful theology there. To say, I'm in you, and you are in me, and we are in the Father. There's this thing that is hard to understand, but Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. Jesus saying, just because I'm going, you're not going to be left as orphans. Just because I'm returning and ascending to heaven to be with the Father, I'm not going to leave you on your own. You will have have a permanent person dwelling within you. His name is the Holy Spirit. Because I think Jesus is trying to help the disciples understand, I know I've been with you for the last three years, and without me, you're pretty much nothing. And I go, and you need to know, because I go, you're still something. Why? Because the Father God, the Holy Spirit, is going to dwell within you. You cannot do this by yourself. And Jesus said, I've been with you and I've taken your lives to new levels, but soon I will be gone. But the Holy Spirit will come to dwell in you, to help you and be with you forever. Jesus calls him an advocate. The amplified version of that verse, an expression of the advocate means to be a comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, a strengthener, and one who is always on standby for you. How many of you are thankful there is an advocate that dwells within you? A comforter, a counselor, a helper, 
an intercessor. In fact, John 14, verses 25 to 27 in the Amplified Version, let's just look at this. He says, I've told you these things while I'm still with you, but the Comforter, one I've just read, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring your, to your remembrance everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give you. Not as the world do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Have you ever had something reminding you? He's like, oh, I remember something. It is the Holy Spirit bringing remembrance to the truth that you have once heard. And so, I don't think I can explain it anymore who the person of the Holy Spirit is, manifestation of God dwelling within you. That is why we can confidently say today that God will guide you, that God will help you, that God will comfort you, that God can strengthen you in times of trouble. And I know sometimes you want to speak to a pastor. I know sometimes you want to speak to a leader. And we are happy to help you. But the first, your first port of call should always be the Holy Spirit. He is 24-7. He lives and he dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit doesn't always come with some zap from heaven. Some laser from heaven that we do read about in the book of Acts, which we'll come to as we close. But he comforts you and helps you and strengthens you from the Holy Spirit within. And it's not always as brash as you think. It's not always as dynamic as you think. It is in you. You don't always need to think like that. You don't always need to feel like that. You don't always need to do that when you know and you give control to the Holy Spirit. Because how many of you know, if you've ever had too much alcohol, the alcohol has the ability to control you. You end up doing things that you wouldn't do without the abundance of alcohol. And many of you in your former lives, (laughs) wink, wink, (laughs) hopefully your former lives or you're trying to make it part of your former life, is you end up saying things that you wouldn't have said. You end up walking a little bit unstable. Why? Because you are under the influence of the control of the alcohol within you. That's why Paul, he often writes in Galatians, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, he talks about the spirit and the flesh. He goes, well, let's not be led by the flesh, let's be led by the spirit. Because if you're led by the flesh, you will end up wobbling and you'll end up walking and you'll end up hitting, you'll end up saying things you shouldn't say. But when you're led by the Spirit, you're controlled by the Spirit and you will say things that the God wants you to say and you will walk where God wants you to walk and you will do what God wants you to do when you are led by the Spirit. And when you are rooted and grounded in the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit is active and engaged within you, that is where the fruits of the Spirit emerge from. Sometimes we want, where's my love, where's my joy, and where's my peace, and where's my forgiveness, and where's my kindness, and where's my self-control? Where are these things? The reality is they are in you, but they are fruits. They are the extensions of the workings of the Holy Spirit within you. So you can't say to God, God, I need more love. No, you don't need more love, because there is enough love within you when the Holy Spirit is engaged within you. 
God, give me more joy. There is plenty of joy within you when the tree of the Spirit is healthy. Joy will always bear fruit. Forgiveness and self-control will always bear fruit. What you are asking for, you in fact already have. For everything we need for life and godliness has already been given unto us. And when the Spirit guides, the fruit grows. And the Holy Spirit is powerful. Then why often do some of you say, I don't know why I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I don't like, I've not got the tingling sensation. I've not got gold dust on my hands. I, I don't have those things. And, and the Holy Spirit can manifest himself through physical, miraculous moments like that. I remember being in a service once and feel this feeling, this blowing on my face. It was literally like someone was there and they were, this air, this fresh air. And I thought someone had put an air conditioning vent in my face as we were worshiping. And I looked up, I couldn't see anything and I couldn't see anyone. All I faith, all I experienced was this fresh air, this wind that was literally blowing in my face. It is one of the few manifestations, I think, physical manifestations that I've experienced of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we don't feel it, we don't engage with it. Why? Like any relationship in our world, if we fail to engage with them, we will probably drift from them. If you don't message your friend, you'll probably drift from your friend. If you don't speak with them, if you don't spend time with them, if you don't engage in something, the reality is by default, we will drift. It is not that the Holy Spirit will ignore us, but we can easily ignore him. And the attributes of the Spirit are to teach us and to testify and to convict and to lead and to reveal and to encourage and to strengthen and to comfort and to help. And it's not to say that he won't do that, but I've only seen the Holy Spirit barge into people's lives once in Acts chapter 2. And sometimes we base the Holy Spirit on one barging in moment where he comes like a rushing wind and he rests on fire on people's heads. And so therefore, sometimes we think our theology about the Holy Spirit means if the Holy Spirit doesn't come with a swirling fire on our heads, or if he doesn't come with a blowing wind through the room, that the Holy Spirit is not here. But that is the, that is the only time in the Bible that I see the Holy Spirit come in so forcefully and barge himself in like that. And partly the reason was for, to give him incredible boldness to the disciples, because after that moment, the Bible says Peter preaches the gospel and everyone gets saved. It was almost like they needed a shake-up. And sometimes you need a shake-up. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will shake you up through a fire or through a wind or through a feeling or through a moment. But that is not the only definition of the Spirit. The Spirit, in my experience, has often been gentle but yet powerful. Therefore, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says even in Ephesians 5, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because Paul knows the effect of both things. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Because there is clearly, the Bible talks 18 times in the Bible about being filled with the Spirit. 18 verses being filled, which tells me there is definitely a measure of the Holy Spirit. Because if you can be filled with it, then there is a measure of it. So the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but there is a measure of his impact on our world. And in the in Acts chapter 2, the impact of the Holy Spirit is noticeable and powerful. He comes in in a powerful way. But the reason he does that, he impacts the disciples so that they can impact others. 
You see, the Holy Spirit's impact on your life is not just to comfort you, it's so that you can go and comfort others. He can help you so you can go and help others. He'll bring power to you so you can go and bring power to others. And if you ask to be filled every day, you watch the impact that you will have on other people's lives as the Holy Spirit empowers you to express God to others. As you speak into situations with wisdom which is beyond you. As you pray for people and see results which is beyond you. As you have discernment and joy which is not human discernment and joy. It is the Holy Spirit working within you. You can have that in your workplace. You can have that in your homes. You can have that in your church experience. It is the Holy Spirit. It does not always look like tongues of fire that has to sort of break windows and slain people in the spirit. Sometimes it's just a word of encouragement, which literally changes the course. Sometimes it's something prophetic, which helps people see something differently. Sometimes it is the gift of healing, which brings health and healing to somebody. But the filling of the Holy Spirit leads to an overflowing. And the overflowing in Acts chapter 2, where there is this hunger and the desire, it's almost like the Holy Spirit fills and fills and fills and fills and comes out through the speaking of tongues. And they start speaking in tongues of different languages, of, 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 of this spiritual language between you and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says speaking in tongues edifies you. Me speaking in tongues is not for your benefit. It's for my benefit. So I don't need to publicly necessarily speak in tongues right now unless there is an interpretation. Holy, when I speak in tongues, it edifies myself. It edifies me. It does something in me. And I remember being filled with the Holy Spirit at 14 and someone prayed for me. And then they told me, they said, that's fake. You're making that up. That's not the real Holy Spirit. And I remember being so upset and sad thinking I was faking something. But here I stand 37 today, still speaking the same language that I was prayed for when I was 14. The filling of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you who don't speak in tongues, let me put it like this, because some of you might be like, I don't, I don't understand it, I don't necessarily want to. Here's my expression. When you live in a country so long, you desire to speak the language of that country. I'm going to Spain in a few weeks for holiday. It's going to be awesome, and I love the Spanish. But I don't necessarily have the time to learn the language, because I'm going to be there, and then I'm going to be gone. But in the kingdom of faith, I live in this country. I want to speak the language of that country. I want to be able to communicate. I want to be able to speak. So therefore, when I'm walking down the street on my own, I speak in tongues. When I'm going into a job interview, I speak in tongues. When I'm about to get into a hostile situation, I speak in tongues. Why? Because Jude says you speak out your most holy faith. You are speaking mysteries and uttering things that are deeply personal. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, come on the screen, but it says, as you speak in tongues, what you are speaking about is mysteries by the Spirit. You don't know what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit does. You're praying some stuff, you're opening some doors, you're closing some doors, You're, you're creating some moments. And as the band come and join me, there should be some things about our faith that step us out of our normal natural realm into the supernatural realm. The feeling that you get, the revelation you get, the understanding you get, the idea you get, the dream you get, the emotions you get. Have you ever just had an idea and you're like, where's that from? It's probably the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought? Have you ever? It's probably the Holy Spirit. 
And sometimes we have those crazy services like I spoke about earlier. And I tell you why they are awesome. Because sometimes it brings you to the moment where you go, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I don't mind if I fall down, bow down, arms up in the air. Why? Because I need to step out of this familiar, comfortable experience with only God the Father and the Son. And we're nice in our Trinity, but you are not part of the Trinity. (laughs) You are a lover and a servant to the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. And so today, can I invite you to open up your life to the Holy Spirit, that he may fill you afresh today. Be filled with purpose. You are not alone. The presence of God is here within you. Because without the Holy Spirit, I finish with this, without the power of the Holy Spirit, all human efforts and methods and plans are as futile as attempting to propel a boat by puffing at the sails with our own breath. It won't move. It won't move. It is only because of the Holy Spirit within you that enables this church to fly. It is only the Holy Spirit within these singers and musicians which takes worship from being just songs on Spotify to an experience which is comforting and helping. It is only the Holy Spirit within me that takes words from a microphone and a book and goes into your life and she goes, that's helped me, that's encouraged me, that's strengthened me. It's not me, it is the Holy Spirit working within us. You need the Holy Spirit. Would you stand to your feet today? We're going to sing a song as we close. I don't, I don't, if, anyone, if everyone just stay, we're only going to be a few more minutes. This song says you are welcome in this place. And the only reason I want to sing this song is because I want this to be a declaration of our church that the Holy Spirit is not excluded for some service once every three months, but he is welcome in this place. Can we sing this song together? Come on, lead us.